This is Transcend with Nat, where we're discovering our higher purpose and sharing stories and awarenesses along the path of transcendence. This is the first episode, and in this show, we are looking at higher perspectives on life and all the various aspects of living in this world from a higher perspective, from a more spiritual or spirit-based perspective, and how to integrate uh, those spiritual principles and teachings um, and those higher perspectives into our everyday lives. So I'm really excited because today I am going to have John Roger on our show in a way, I say in a way because, um, well, first off, John Roger, J.R., as I will be calling him, is a spiritual teacher, uh, a lecturer and educator of international stature, and he has passed a few years ago, but I happened to live with him, I worked with him, I traveled with him uh, for many, many years, and so I'm going to be using some of his materials his uh, from a seminar that he gave and uh, doing excerpts on this episode and also putting my input in as well and guiding you through um, that process, kind of like a DJ. So I'm really excited about that because JR was definitely um, my greatest inspiration in my life to this point. And he is just an awesome guy and a great communicator. And I think that hopefully you'll get something out of this as I've gotten so much out of his seminars and especially this one. And, um, but first, uh, in these episodes, I'm going to start with just kind of a free form, what my observations are, what my thoughts are on things going on, um, what's current for me. And so what better place to start these days than Bitcoin and blockchain? Uh, So the reason I'm going to be talking about that is because a lot of people have been approaching me and asking me about it. Usually when people come up to me uh, or call me and ask me about it, they start out with a phrase that is something along these lines. So a friend told me, blah, 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 or uh, I was talking to this guy at work and he's doing this and this and this. And so I want to know how to do this and how to get involved in cryptocurrency because a lot of my friends know that that i've been somewhat involved for a number of years Uh, in fact actually when i first started uh, was around 2011 or maybe 2010 somewhere around there and that was with bitcoin Um, and the reason i got involved was not as an investment. And I didn't really look at it so much as an investment. It was a new technology at the time. I really liked the story. Um, I was doing trading in other ways. And I thought this was a really cool idea. I liked the implementation. I liked um, what they're doing. And I wanted to try it out. So I got some 
it was a lot harder then to to actually buy it with um, currency with cash than it was than it is today. Uh, you didn't have a Coinbase. Uh, I ended up getting doing it um, through Mount Gox. Uh, I don't even really remember. Uh, if I got how much I got, you know, it was probably less than a hundred bucks. I mean, it would be a huge amount. The cost was about $10 for a Bitcoin back then. And last I checked, it was today it's around $10,000, $11,000 per Bitcoin. But, um, anyway, I, I got busy with life. I was really involved in a lot of things and this was just something I was playing around with. Uh, and eventually Mt. Gox, if many of you may know, if you, have studied anything about Bitcoin, uh, went, uh, was a big exchange, the only real exchange at the time. And it went, it got hacked at that time. And then later on it went bankrupt. I wasn't really paying attention to it. Uh, I was really more involved with a lot of other things in my life. And, um, I don't even know if I still had any Bitcoin and there was a lawsuit. I didn't get involved because I just wasn't paying much attention. And so whatever that was, it's gone now. But anyway, I got back involved around 2015, um, more as an investment perspective. It had already run up to a thousand and crashed down to a hundred and something, I think. And it was around two, $300 when I started, um, really getting interested. I started researching it. I started looking at, uh, the, you know, the reasoning behind it. I look at charts. I look at a lot of things and it looked really good to me. It, nobody was interested. It was not sexy like it is today. It was not, uh, there were the only people who were interested were the, the core, uh, fundamentalists about Bitcoin who would be in it regardless. Um, and there was not, it was not being talked about in the financial media for sure. It was just this kind of, um, unsexy, not really is kind of this new on the fringe thing. And I really liked it. I thought the price was really good. I, I liked it for a lot of reasons. So I, I started investing money into it and it sat for a while. It didn't do a whole lot. And then it started going up. And as we know, it went, like it went so high. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I've never been in an investment that did anything like that, uh, except for actually maybe going down. <laughs> I've been in, when I first started out, it was right before months before the great financial crisis. And, and I started out in uh, doing trading Forex, foreign exchange currencies. And uh, yeah, I paid for my education in all of this and investing and, and my thought process, it continually evolves and it continues to evolve to this day. And a lot of it was finding out who, what works for me, uh, in terms of my psychology, in terms of my time frame, um, in terms of how I can be successful with all of that, uh, and move much less from a trading perspective into a, um, investment, uh, long-term type of perspectives. And anyway, but at the time, but this was great education. I learned a lot about charts and at the time of the, the financial crisis, stuff moved so fast and you know, people talk about, oh, well, I have a stop, you know, when they're trading, I have stops here and there. And even in cryptocurrencies, they have, they have stops. And so they think that, oh, well, that, that, that's something that will be uh, secure. Well, number one, that's just not how it works. When money starts moving really fast and prices start moving really fast in these things, you may have a stop, but you may not get filled 
to way, way below the price you think it is. So anyway, um, back to what I think now of anyway, that's my kind of my history of the whole thing. And I sold a lot. I sold the majority actually before it like really took off. It had already been the biggest investment I had done. And I thought it was great. And I got out for a number of reasons. I kept some in and I, then I got the rest of it out, um, right before the most recent, uh, drop down, um, to, you know, from, it was around 19,000 to, uh, to whatever it got down to 6,000 something. Anyway, I got out before that when the, before it really took that major drop because the charts were really indicating that, um, that it was time to sell the rest of my position, except for maybe a tiny bit that I'll keep, whether it goes to a million or it goes to zero. Uh, that's just my long term that I don't really care uh, type of type of investment. Um, so back to what I think of it today and what I think, what I tell people. Number one, I tell people you really need to educate yourself. You really, really need to educate yourself because just like I had back in the days of Mount Gox and, and others have had currently, you really don't want to keep your, your Bitcoin uh, or your other cryptocurrencies on an exchange because then you're subject to that exchange going down. So you really want to keep it in a safe place, a hardware wallet, um, preferably off your computer and they, they make them, you can look into that. But first I tell people, get educated, get educated on what you're going to put you. That's your hard earned money. Don't just put it in because some, some guy told you or some, somebody's making money doing it. Uh, because that's just not, that's not a good basis for investment. If you find yourself investing in something because someone you know or a friend told you, if you hear yourself saying those words, just stop. Don't invest on that, you know, on that reasoning. That is not a solid investment um, analysis and framework for putting your money into something. And just because the price is going up, that's not a reason to invest in something. So that is my uh, advice on that is, and is that it's really important to understand. It's really important to research. It's really important to look at the reasons why you're putting money into something. Um, and I really highly recommend just, you know, not just listening to other people, to really having your own understanding, your own framework, your own reasons, because you will be tested. Prices don't move in a single direction usually. I mean, there were cases where Bitcoin did, but uh, through the years, it's definitely been a very volatile asset. So I really, that's that's my thoughts on that. And I really just wanted to... Um, to communicate those because a lot of people have been asking me. So I thought I'd start this with something that's very relevant to today that a lot of people are interested in and, uh, just giving my input on that. So next, uh, we will move into the part of this that is, uh, with John Roger. So if I were to have a guest on this show, I would probably start by introducing them. And even though JR is not here physically, uh, we will be using his media and he'll be guiding us through th uh, the rest of this episode. And so why don't I take a moment and introduce him? John Roger, or JR, is, or 
I should say was, a spiritual teacher of international stature and an educator. He founded many organizations, including the spiritual organization, the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness, also the University of Santa Monica that specializes in spiritual psychology, uh, the self-improvement seminars called Insight Seminars, uh, he also created Heartfelt Foundation to serve those in need and the Institute for Individual and World Peace, which studies and um, promotes the processes that lead to peace. He also, he wrote so many books, definitely over a hundred. Uh, he had many best-selling books, um, including New York Times best number one bestseller. He also did countless, well, I'm sure someone might have counted them, but countless seminars, workshops, and various lectures of which he, many of which were recorded in video and audio. And I think the last uh, count I heard about the pieces of media in his media archives and library are somewhere around 30,000 pieces of media. So he was a very active guy. And I had the pleasure, as I said earlier, to work with him, to live with him, to travel with him, um, and to be by his side through many, many years up until uh, he passed away a few years ago. So this seminar, I'm going to let Jared intro it. It's, it's called Nuclear Radiation from Ground Zero. It is a great uh, way if you're feeling stuck in your life, if you're feeling that you're a captive um, to a situation, to a relationship, to a job. And it's and even if you don't necessarily feel that way, it's a great um, it's a great way to come into a better, uh, let's say a more um, a more essential, energy field of living your life. And so let me have JR introduce us into this seminar. Since there's been a great deal of emphasis placed upon nuclear proliferation and atomic waste being dumped, I thought I would talk about nuclear radiation and the ground zero fallout point. <laughs> well, I know you're all very excited about that. I could tell as the ripple of, uh, went through the group. <laughs> Nevertheless, I think I'll talk about it in terms of my own inimitable presentation which means watch for a trick. <laughs> How much time do I have left? So there JR just casts the net, or let's say he, he uh, casts his fishing line out and starts reeling us in. And what's amazing is that he always he could use so many different subjects um, and really bring our attention and interest in using those subjects such as nuclear 
radiation and ground point zero and um, tailor them to really bring us to a great understanding and of uh, a spiritual truth or message. And the other thing that this really reminded me is that Jer was a trickster. He was a jokester. He was always up for a good joke. And he was so much fun. And even in the midst of difficult situations, he would often find something to laugh at. And to me, that was a great example, something that I have uh failed miserably to do in my own life, yet I still really do um, aspire to having more humor, more joy, and more fun. Because that, being around him for, for so many years, that's something that he always had. And he, he often had people around who were like that as well, who were jokesters and would have fun. Uh, because he you know, liked having fun and I liked having fun with him. And even in difficult situations where a lot of people, myself included, would often get very serious, would get very, um, you know, very not much having, not having much fun. And that seemed very serious from, from most people's perspective, he would find a way to bring lightness to the situation, uh, to bring joy to the situation because he, that's just how he did it. And to me, that was a great example. And this is a perfect example of how he takes a subject that is very serious, such as nuclear proliferation, and he has fun with it. And because in the humor, in the lightness, uh, it really allows us to open up to the spirit and to the truth and to things that we might not already be open to if we're just so closed and serious. So let's continue on with this. When we come to this whole process of captive and who's got us and who's keeping us and who's not letting us go, we can look most readily at the family and at the people we love or we say that we're devoted to, or to some form of study or behavior or group we belong to. We often say, I can't leave my job because if I do, I don't know what will happen to me. As a matter of fact, you do know what will happen to you, you'll be out of a job. It's, yeah, I, I, I know that, but I don't know what will happen when I'm out of the job. There comes some real key type of questions. What is it that bothers you that makes you stay where you are when you feel a captive about that? The thing that bothers me is I don't know how much it's going to cost me to get out of this. I divorced my wife, my husband, my spouse, but I can't afford to. Because it'll take this and this and this and this and this and this to get out of it. And I don't want to do that. But do you want to get out of it? Yes. Why? Because it's killing me while I'm in it. Well, if it's killing you, you're going to be out of it before too long anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't mean I'm I'm, that I'm dead, you know, in the ground. But every day I wake up with this heartache. And I go to sleep with this heartache. And at nighttime I'm having a hard time. And my dreams are fraught with... Uh, throttling somebody and I can't get out of it but you can the ground 
zero effect is, goes like this. What is the price you're willing to pay to get out of the situation you're in? What is the price? So there was two really good questions in there. And I think a lot of times my experience with JR is that he would teach through question and he would um, inspire you to find your own answers. And he would look at, for instance, what life is, uh, how life is questioning you or how, what is life questioning you with? And so the two questions that I got from that is, what is it that bothers you that makes you stay where you are when you feel a captive? I think many of us have had those situations. I can definitely raise my hand. And I've had a lot of friends who've had those situations. Um, oftentimes, it's a situation in a relationship uh, or a job. Well, those are very common ones. Uh, there's other ones as well. Um, but for instance... I have a friend who is been has been struggling in a relationship and has been struggling uh, with whether to stay in that relationship and they don't want to stay and yet there's a price to be paid and they don't really want to pay that price and I think I I think many of us have been in that situation where you you aren't happy in a situation or you're, you're having difficulties with something or you want it to change. Um, but you haven't gotten to that point, to that point. That's the ground zero effect, which is, uh, you're not willing to pay the price to get out of it. And some of us have gotten to the point, And I think many people have in their lives where there comes a point where you are willing to pay that price. And sometimes, often, actually, I find that the willingness to pay a certain price, often you don't have to pay that full price. Sometimes you do. Uh, but just the willingness where you're truly not that you say you're willing or that you're trying to pretend that you're willing, because you can't really fool uh, that part of you that knows. And when you truly have come to that point where, where you're willing to pay the price. So those are really two, I think, fantastic questions, um, to look at. And, and it's what, what is the things that, that are making you stay in that? Uh, one, one thing, this doesn't always have to be something physical too, because sometimes it's has to do with health or, uh, being depressed or holding, holding a position and, and it's like, what price are you willing to have for if you want happiness? Are you willing to give up that position or that story? Often I find that people are really uh, attached to a story, especially when it comes to health um, or happiness. And that story is something that they tell themselves and that they believe in and that keeps them from their what they really say they want, what they really want. And there comes a point or there may come a point where you actually are willing to just pay whatever price you need to pay to get out of that. And so I think that these are, these are questions. These are foundational questions that, that, um, if I were to break down are, are really good places to start. 
And so let's go into the next excerpt. It goes like this. If I didn't have any of the obligations around me that I feel suffocated and imprisoned by, if I didn't have any of them, no wife, no kids, no job, no money, no this, no that, what would I do? A lot of people sit back and they go, I would breathe a sigh of relief. Then you're really at ground zero point. You're at impact. Because you can get rid of them all if you have to. And by this, I don't mean killing or bombing or mayhem. I don't mean that. I mean the willingness to pay the price to get out of it. Take the car, take the house, take the money, take the real estate, take the kids, and I'll run. So again, another great question um, that I think is a great starting point. Uh, I think this is a great starting point for getting you out of or letting you see beyond what it is you that, that you're feeling captive to. And that question is, if I didn't have, whatever it is, if I didn't have this experience, this job, this degree, this story, this trade, uh, this education that I've spent however many dollars and however much time, uh, if I didn't have kids and parents and wife or husband, etc., what would I do? So really bringing it down to that level of you have nothing. You don't have your trade. You don't have your education. If you didn't have any of that that you may feel trapped by, because education can be a great thing, but what if you trained to be a doctor? I have a friend who uh, was a lawyer and then ended up going back to school, maybe in his, I don't remember exactly how old, but maybe in his 40s, and became a doctor. So... You know, like if you don't have that, some people get trapped by their education. Well, I spent all this money and all this time to become this, and now I don't like it, but I, this is what I have to do. Well, what if you didn't have all that? What would you do? Another great question uh, to start with to help you get out of, out of whatever it is that you're feeling captive in. Um, so now we're going to listen to uh, what JR, when JR finally reached that point of getting to ground zero in his life and how that process unfolded for him. So here we go. I said, I will start out as though and as if I do not know anyone, nor do I have any talent or ability. And I will see where I go from this point. Well, I had been doing spiritual counselings and seminars for quite a few years to that, prior to that. So I figured, I'll just jump from the school teaching over into the spiritual teaching. Except after you've taught 10 years, you get a thing called salaryitis. You all understand what that's like, arthritis is brother and sister. You can't get along without it. And my life was based upon a figure on a piece of paper called a check. And that figure said what I could do in extension, but not what I could do in contraction, because I could contract and feel as bad as I want to, and I still got the same money. I didn't like that. I really didn't like that. 
So I decided all of it goes as though I knew no one and they did not exist and I had no girlfriends, no friends, no car, no house, no money. Just obliterated. It was amazing how good I started to feel. I mean, and some of the people who were part of that are still alive in my life. But not as captives, nor as slaves, but as people that are co-workers that I love to be with. Not, I don't have to be with them. And I decided that everybody that I worked with would come into the ground point zero and see if they could survive the blast. If they could survive the blast, they would become free. I never have asked them to do anything as drastic as I did. I wouldn't expect them to. Maybe they don't have that inside. But I came to the point where you get so sick and tired of being sick and tired of doing something that somebody else says you've got to do all the time that I said, I don't care if there's anybody around to tell me anything. Was I prepared to be the only person left on the planet? I had reached that point. One of the things that I found with J.R., and being on his staff is that he really did, even decades after this um, story that he's telling about where he reached that point, he really did continue to live in that place of the ground zero effect. And anyone who came around him had to come into that. It, it, in a way, it brought them into it and called them into a higher level of living and living more in that within themselves. And like he said, he didn't require people to do quite as drastic as what he did. Um, but just being around him, and if you wanted to sp stay around him especially, you really had to come into that more and more within yourself. And one of the ways I found that to be is that only that which, uh, that which could survive the blast could stay around. So a lot of what you may normally hold on to, such as anger and positions and things of that nature, you had to really let go. Not that you didn't have them, not that you didn't go through them, um, but you couldn't hold on to them for too long or you started finding yourself farther and farther away from that blast zone because they couldn't survive there and and thus you'd find yourself farther and farther away from uh, JR's presence because it couldn't last in that zone in in that nuclear zone and um and so you had to almost let those things not almost you had to let those things go in order to survive in that and it was an amazing experience to live with that all those years because it really called in, it called me into a much higher level of impeccability and ruthlessness internally um, and, and externally, what I was involved with and what I allowed myself to get involved with outwardly and inwardly. And there was a great freedom in that, um, but there's also, it was not easy. That's an understatement. Uh, and Jared, but Jared was very straightforward about it. He said that if, you know, those, if you're going to live with me, it's like living on the side of a volcano. 
And I know I'm not the only one he told that to. And it really was in, in many ways that experience because of how he chose to live his life in that way. And so now let's go into what, uh, what happened afterwards, what happened after he, he did this and he finally made that choice and he paid the price. Now, what we're drawing here is a real fine line, isn't it? It's like, well, this part of debarkation, what is it? Each person has to decide that for themselves, depending upon your circumstances, what you're in, and the price you're willing to pay to get out of it. What I was willing to get out of, there was no price that I would not pay. I mean, I couldn't pay any money. But that money has never been an object with me. My integrity, I was willing to pay my integrity to get out of it. To me, that's my breath. I wasn't willing to denounce my spiritual life because that's me. I wasn't willing to cut my heart out because that's me. I wasn't really willing to hurt me in terms of fix me so I couldn't be new and fresh for a new opportunity. I wasn't willing to do that. But I was willing to get rid of everything else that was in my way by walking away from it. Running, escaping, it didn't matter how, tunneling, flying, I didn't care. It was ground zero time. They would not be around. Well, what happened after ground zero time? I didn't have all the worries and the concerns. I didn't have to meet the deadlines of other people. I became my own man, which was really fun because I always was that. But now I felt it and I knew it and I thought it. And my thinking was not dependent upon somebody agreeing with it. I felt new and clear inside of me about my direction. I felt real nuclear. I was ready to go out there and explode with the dynamics that had started coming present inside of me as a spiritual being. And it's amazing how that started radiating out. I was clear full of nuclear radiation from ground point zero. And I just started walking down the streets and people come up and say, who are you? What do you do? I say, not much and I'm just me. Could you come and talk to our group if I feel like it? When will you know that? When I feel like it. Can we give you a phone number if you feel like it? Come and talk. You don't know who I am or what I'll talk about. No, I don't know who you are and what you'll talk about, but I know what you're radiating. I can feel the radiation coming off you. I don't know what it is, but it's there. You have a simple freedom with you. You have a simple clarity with you. I said, what I talk about is simple freedom and simple clarity. So there he talks about the effects or the results of having um, gone to that ground point zero in his life and living from that place where he has that nuclear energy radiating um, or nuclear radiation. 
So one of them is a simple freedom and the other is simple clarity. And often when we get to that place and we move into that and we make those choices, we can have that inner experience of that, that freedom, that simple freedom and that simple clarity. Now I want to give a little story about that energy that he's talking about, that new clear or nuclear energy. So as I got, um, more sensitive, I would say that my awareness was maybe thicker would might be a word when I first came on to JR staff. And then as the years went by and as through all the workshops and the trainings and the seminars and the meditations, um, and working on myself and, and JR working with me personally and, uh, working through my issues and processes with groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I became more sensitive and more aware than I had been. And so I could see things uh, differently and I could see different things. So one of the, the experience I had later on is I, I remember distinctly when I first really noticed it and saw it um, and made a note of it. I mean, it, and then once you, once you, sometimes when you, realize something, then you can look back and go, oh yeah, there, 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 there. But there came a point where I realized it and I was, I was sitting on, uh, next to Jer, he was sitting on his bed and I went in and I was really upset about things that were going on around him and what I saw people doing and, um, in different areas. And I sat next to him on his bed and I started telling him about all this and I had all this upset and I was telling him this and that and this person's doing this and that person's doing that and and as I was talking I could see that my words weren't making it to him that this energy was around him and as I talked it was almost like the words with all that negative energy or that emotion I had would just come out of my mouth, go, I was sitting close to him, would get almost to him and then would just fall. They just like fall down. And the, it was just taking the energy, all the energy I had out. And as I put that energy out, it just, it wasn't going anywhere. It was being transmuted or, um, it, I could see them like falling as before they'd even reach him. And to me, that is an example of that radiating energy, that nuclear energy that, that was around him as he lived his life in this way. And so I hope that, you know, this has helped you if you find yourself in a difficult or a feeling captive to a situation, to um, a, a job, a relationship, etc., that this could be a helpful process for you, that you could look at if I didn't have, let's just go over once again, the questions that uh, you can ask yourself, if I didn't have this job, this experience, this degree, et cetera, et cetera, wife, husband, parents, kids, trade, what would I do? The next question is, what is it that bothers you that makes you stay where you are when you feel a captive? And the third thing is, what price are you willing to pay to get out of it? That's the ground zero effect. And when you tap into that, then the result is you'll feel that simple freedom, that simple clarity, and the new clear energy radiating around you. So that's the part of this episode 
that is with John Roger. If you want to get that seminar and listen to the whole thing, uh, it's called Nuclear Radiation from Ground Zero. And you can get that through MSIA at msia.org. And to end the show, I want to read a poem that uh, I learned, I heard first from JR. And it is one of my favorite poems, and to me, really uh, encapsulate my experience of who JR is and um, also who I am and in, in the truth of who I am and how I want to live my life. It's called Abu Ben Adam by Lee Hunt. Abu Ben Adam, may his tribe increase, awoke one night from a deep dream of peace and saw within the moonlight in his room, making it rich and like a lily in bloom, an angel writing on a book of gold. Exceeding peace had made Ben Adam bold, and to the presence in the room he said, What writest thou? The vision raised its head, and with a look made of all sweet accord answered, The names of those who love the Lord. And is mine one, said Abu? Nay, not so, replied the angel. Abu spoke more low, but cheerily still, and said, I pray thee then, write me as one who loves his fellow men. The angel wrote and vanished. The next night it came again with a great wakening light, and showed the names whom love of God had blessed. And lo, Ben Adam's name led all the rest. So I'll leave you with that, and... Just a quick disclaimer that anything you've heard on this episode is for educational purposes only. Uh, I am not giving you investment advice or medical advice. I will leave that to the professionals. And so I hope to have you join me again for the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you.